thank the Lord for his goodness to us, the children of men. Had a great uh, week this week. Uh, Steve and I were able to go down to the rescue mission. Our first uh, month, we're going down the fourth Tuesday of every month. And he just asked me this morning, he said, did you notice on the calendar that in December, the fourth Tuesday is Christmas? Hallelujah. You know, what a good opportunity it is to minister. You know, and one of the things that one of the men said, and I'll say something about that here in a little bit, that kind of spurred me on for this morning's message, a bit of a topical message as we're going to look at a number of scriptures, a number of familiar scriptures. And I've titled this morning's message, See for Yourself. You know, because we, we hear a lot of statements, we make a lot of statements, that we make the statement, seeing is believing right? We make the statement, I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't seen it myself. I'd have to see it myself before I'd believe that. There's no way I'd believe that unless I saw it. And most of us have said those statements. Most of us have heard those statements. Of course, now we live in the day of YouTube. And Everybody's got a camera on. It's amazing the, the, the videos that you get. I, I was telling my family the other day, I saw a video, and I think it was actually on a news feed or something, but some people bicycling down the road, you know, on their 10 speeds or 12 or 20, whatever speeds they are now, and they're just pedaling down the road, had all their bike gear on, and, and you saw this person, you know, a bicycle in front, you saw a deer go running in front of that person, and a, and a car hit it, and the deer flipped through the air and almost hit this other person. And I said, I wonder how many people wouldn't have believed that if they hadn't seen it. And you look at you know, on YouTube, you can find all kinds of things. Today, if it's not on YouTube, many doubt. Which, by the way, uh, if you'll turn around and look at that camera back there, which I'm going to have to learn to stare at now, or not stare out. Uh, the guys are testing our trial uh, for going live stream. It's been something that uh, we've been talking about for a long time. They're working at it. And uh, after they, when Ben said before he was getting bugs worked out, uh, it had to do with that. And I was hoping the bugs worked out with the light being turned off, but apparently that's not the bug. Uh, so we're going to be on live stream. Now, suffice it to say uh, that that doesn't mean you stay home and watch it. Uh, this is no fun for me if I'm standing here uh, speaking to that camera and the choir is doing that. Uh, but it is an opportunity for us, we believe, uh, to reach the community uh, with an, in a variety of ways that uh, uh, we'll be pushing and promoting that in the days to come. You know, but uh, if it's not on YouTube, YouTube today, many doubt. For, for a lot of people, if it's on the internet, they're skeptical that it's fake. Oh, that's got to be photoshopped. Oh, that can't be real. You know, think about those of us that have lo lived long enough to have experienced history. You know, it's amazing to me that uh, not everybody's learning the same history today that I learned when I was a kid. Do you know that there, there's a lot of skepticism over uh, things of even uh, kind of recent history? You know, there's a, a big push that uh, the moon landing was a farce. Uh, that was fake. That there's no way that that, that, that happened. Elvis is still alive someplace. Did you know, kids are going, who? Uh, who? Uh, yeah, there's, there's so many things. Long ago history is doubted. You know, the Bible records for us creation. 
but the vast majority of today believe in evolution or some form thereof. Noah's Ark will not be believed unless it's found and many are looking for it because that will suddenly be proof of God's existence of the truth of God's word. If we can find something, then that'll prove that God and God's word are true. The Ark of the Covenant, when we were in Israel a number of years ago, now, there are some there that say they've seen it in the, in the tunnels down under the, Ark of the, uh, under the, uh, the Temple Mount. And, and they've seen and they're planning for it and they're purposing, uh, but they can't get it because other people control it. And, and if the people they say control it really control it, I think they probably would have destroyed it by now. But if we can find something from the Old Testament, if we can find something from Scripture uh, that will prove that God is true, then people will believe it. And the same thing is said about Jesus. That unless I see him, I won't believe in God unless I see him do a miracle. Unless God does what I say needs to be done, I refuse to believe. Well, and this morning, that's why I say, I want you to see for yourself. Come and see. We're going to turn to a number of scriptures, and I want to start first at 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start at one of the foundational places uh, here in scripture. First, I want us to come and see what is really profitable in God's economy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, of course, we're not going to read the whole chapter. Uh, it tells us the perilous times are going to come. And I think it's, a, it's really a chapter that we should be reading on a regular basis in our own uh, study, in our own reminder uh, to see and to know what is going on uh, around us, that we are in these end times and perilous, difficult, sinful times are coming. But look there in chapter 3 and verse 12. Or let's start in verse 10. Thou hast fully known my doctrine. Again, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving, being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works." Come and see real what is really profitable. The holy writings are God-breathed and helpful for conviction and evidence, for correction, which means to straighten up again, kind of like what we do with a, a painting, a, a photo that's hanging on the wall that's crooked, for education, for education in training, chastening, for nurturing, and in justification that the profitability of Scripture is for all things. And what is Scripture? Our Bible as we hold it today. Come and see what is really profitable. And so that we understand when he says there in verse 17 that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. 
He's saying so that God's children may be completed, fully equipped for all beneficial labor. Come and see. But we understand that uh, this Bible is uh, from God. We said before that uh, the Bible is the Word of God, not that it contains the Word of God, that every jot, every tittle, every ounce of it is true and is inspired of God, and we are to be held accountable uh, to that. And come and see where real profitability comes from. This day and age that we live in, there's all all kinds of uh, teachings and streams and expectations of what is profitable for mankind. What is profitable for us uh, in families, what is profitable for us uh, as parents, what is profitable for children, and most of it has nothing to do with Scripture. And God tells us that a profitable life is going to be focused and adhered to and following that which is found in Scripture. So let's begin with coming and seeing the importance as we see it throughout Scripture. Look over at Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 and verse... 19. Very familiar. We've referenced this just recently, just a few weeks ago. Um, But Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. I'm going to read down through uh, the end of of this account here. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water. Cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest good things, and likewise Lazarus evil, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You know, notice Lazarus, a believer who was in Abraham's bosom, who was found to be in eternal bliss, never escaped homelessness. He never became more than a beggar. You know, that's one of the standards that we place on life. That to be successful, you've got to attain a certain thing in this society. To be successful, that you've got to have certain accolades, you have to have certain possessions, and somebody who is, who is still a beggar, somebody who is still living homeless, there's no possible way that that person could be saved. Well, I beg to differ because Lazarus was never more than a beggar. He may have been that bef- more of that before, but he was never more than that that's recorded for us here. You know, when I read this, we'll keep going on there in verse 
27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father, Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You know, come and see the importance of the Old Testament. Come and see that all of Scripture points to Jesus. You know, when I read this account, you know, my mom passed away this uh, past spring, and by my mom's testimony, believe wholeheartedly that uh, she's in heaven. And I, I wondered if my mom could have these thoughts, and my mom is in heaven now, I, I wonder what would my mom want me to know? What would my mom want me to know today? What would she challenge me if she could come back for 10 seconds? What would it be? Well, I believe in all sincerity and wholeheartedness that she would tell me exactly what Abraham is telling that rich man here. He's saying they have Moses and the prophets. They have the scrolls. They have the revealed word of God. I need to listen to them. You know, Moses and the prophets, those writings reveal Jesus. Look, if you're here in Luke, look over at chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, hold your finger back here, in verse 27. And it says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. How did Jesus teach about him, himself, about himself as the Messiah coming? He went back to Moses and the prophets, the Old Testament writings which we have today, because all points to Christ. Salvation is by Christ and Christ alone. And they have Moses and the prophets. They reveal Jesus. And so what's he saying here? That come and see because all you need is in the word of God. It's not that we suddenly need, we, we look for, for some longing, we look for some message, we, we look for, for some sign uh, that would reveal to us something more. And he's saying, you have the word of God. All that you need to know about eternal life, all that you need to know uh, about Jesus, first and foremost, uh, was, was dictated for us, was recorded for us in the Old Testament. Jesus, the Messiah, is found in over 200 prophecies, and he fulfilled every single one of them. Come and see in the recorded word. Come and see the importance of the Old Testament. Come and see that it always has been and always will be about Jesus. Then look over at John chapter 4. John chapter 4 had a great time yesterday uh, with the men's uh, prayer breakfast. Yesterday morning had a good uh, group out. And uh, we looked here at John chapter 4 a little bit yesterday. Um, but here in John chapter 4, I say, come and see the living word. You know, um, Philip, as Jesus was calling disciples uh, earlier on, uh, Nathaniel said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see uh, this one. 
But here in John chapter 4, down in verse 5 and following, Then cometh he to a city, Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is, that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then uh, hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come, uh, come hither. Uh, she answered, I have no husband. He said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in saidst thou truly. The woman said, and, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and, and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah coming which is called Christ, when he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked uh, with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did, is not this the Christ? Come and see the living word, Jesus. You know, she said, come see the man who revealed my sin and yet gave me hope over my sin. Come see the one who knows all that I've done, yet there's an acceptance. Who knows all that I've done, yet has given me hope in the midst of my life. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is the hope that we find when we come and see. You know, we look for help and hope in all kinds of places. We look for help and hope in all kinds of people and all kinds of things, but he just simply says, come and see. Come and see uh, the living word. How do we know that? Well, you're right there in John 4. Look back at John 1. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that is made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. That word is Jesus. Jesus is the living word. The word of God in the Bible as we know it records him, teaches us about him, tells us the message that he has for us in him that we might understand, that we might know. And he says, come and see, come and see the living word. Then look at Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, first book, your last chapter of the first book in your New Testament. You see, God has recorded for us, he's told us clearly that his word is profitable, his word is powerful, his word is beneficial, his word is necessary uh, for every aspect of life and practice. He's told us that we can see, we can see recorded for us uh, the importance that Jesus is found in the Old Testament. We see him found as the living word in the New Testament. And we see uh, to uh, come and see uh, the importance, come and see him, but, and come and see the living word. But here in Matthew 28, look at verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. <laughs> I love the mingling of those two together. And did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Come see the resurrected word. We see the written word. We see the living word. But do you see the resurrected word, which is Jesus? You know, many go to places of worship to see a crucifix, palm branches, statues, empty crosses which we have here but you notice there's never the depiction of the empty tomb because we serve the risen savior jesus died on a cross we're to take up our cross daily and the cross is an important aspect but even more important is the empty tomb that he rose again you know, you look at every religious leader throughout history, there's, there's no recording of any of them. Every single one of them are still in the grave. Only Jesus has been resurrected. 
I dare say, is as important as the visages of the cross. Even more important is the visage of the empty tomb because he conquered death. He overcame. Come and see the resurrected word. You know, there it says in verse 6, He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. He's no longer there. Come see where he was. And have hope. Because if you know your scripture, as they should have, as he taught them, as he instructed them, he said, come and see that it's been fulfilled. All that he promised. But then, he says there in verse 10, Be not afraid as they came and they found Jesus. And their first response was to worship him. He says, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren they're going to Galilee and there shall they see me. Go tell others where they can find me. If you've come and seen, if you've come and believed, if you have come and understood and acknowledged, now the instructions are to go and tell. Go and tell them where they can find me. Go and tell them where they can see me, which is our responsibility, because if we truly believe, uh, as we have experienced and seen the resurrected word uh, through Scripture, as we have seen what he has done in our lives, Then we will go to John chapter 20. If you'll turn over there. John chapter 20. And this teaches us why it's so important to come and see the written word. John chapter 20, verse 24. Uh, The disciples have seen Jesus before this, and it says in verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I shall see in in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. You know, we can't blame Thomas here. You know, it's easy to look at Thomas and say, Ah, how could you not believe? Well, because that's what our nature is. How many of us, our faith, we are convincing ourselves that our faith and our belief would be stronger if there was a more visible sign. Our faith, our hope would be more focused if there was just a more tangible thing. You know, this is one of the questions that came up. One of the men as uh, uh, speaking down there at the rescue mission on Tuesday, and, and one of the fellows, you could tell that you know things were stirring in his mind, and he asked, he said, 
He said, but is there something tangible that we can see or grab a hold of that helps us to know that this is real? We're all longing for that. I, I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how many times you've read your Bible. If we're honest with ourselves, every single one of us are still longing for something more tangible, something more visible. Where we're, we're looking for clarity in decision-making, and he gives us clear instructions. We long for the same experience. And without this experience, though, our faith wavers, our obedience is inconsistent, our light is dim, our outlook is defeated, and our hope is tamped down because we take our eyes off of that which he's given to us and look and hope for something more which he hasn't promised us. Because we, once we, we come to the point that everything he has given us to know and to understand and to believe on, once we, are, we, we fool ourselves into thinking that's not enough, that I need something more contrary to what he tells us, we lose hope. Our faith wavers. Our light that is supposed to shine brightly dims because we ourselves are not convinced. But he tells us there in verse 29 and following when he says, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Those that haven't seen me physically yet believe are supremely blessed. It's, it's a superabounding blessing. Those that have believed without seeing, it's an abundant blessing. It's easy to believe what you've seen. But he's saying those that have believed according to the instructions I've given, according to the Holy Spirit who indwells, they're going to be supremely blessed, and that's us today. Because to those that are going to be blessed is exactly what it means to be super abundantly, supremely blessed. Are you blessed today? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you believed on the resurrected Lord? Have you repented of your sin and, and called upon the name of the Lord? Have you accepted his free gift? Have you had a change of direction, a, a change of heart, a change of mind, and a follower of him now? Striving to do his word. You know, there's many things that we don't know because he says there in verse 30, he says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Now, how many of us read this and say, oh, I wonder what they are? Yeah, I wonder. You know, it's like, you know, and then, and then we get sidetracked. Oh, I wonder what are the things that they did that, that he didn't... Re and then, and then we, we go off on these whole tangents about all these things that we want to know and we lose sight of verse 31. And verse 31 says, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. He said, I gave you what's important. All that other information that you're wondering about, that's not nearly as important as this. The recording is why? That we might know Jesus. That Jesus would be revealed. Jesus himself said Moses and the prophets revealed him. 
Jesus, throughout the New Testament, is revealing this age of grace, this church age. And he said that if we believe on him, we will come to the Father. He said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes unto the Father but by him. He tells us uh, that if we confess our sins, if we call upon the name of the Lord, that we shall be saved. He tells us when we repent and turn towards him. You know, many things we don't know, but God gave his written word that we could know and that we could have eternal life through Jesus. That's his plan. That's his purpose. And once we've accepted Christ, he gives us further instructions as the Holy Spirit indwells us uh, that we're to grow thereby, that we're to live by, that we're to overcome as we're, the sanctification process is coming on and we're forsaking sin and living for him and we're forsaking sin and living for him. We're dying to self, taking up our cross daily and following him. And we're growing in his grace and his knowledge. And you know when we have that tangible proof that we look at? Because when we're looking forward, it's sometimes hard to see. Because sometimes our circumstances are, are catastrophe. Sometimes our circumstances are dark and difficult. Sometimes our, our status of life is, is up in the air and there's too many questions. But as we, we adhere to the word, we cons are consumed by the word, and we become doers of the word, and we're moving forward and saying, oh, it's just it's tough, it's tough. And then we look back and we say, thanks be to God who's given me vic victory. Thanks be to God who's strengthened me. Well, I can look back and I, I can see how, how God's been there. I can see how God guided. I can see in the midst of my poor decision-making that God still showed himself strong. And, and so where's my tangible proof? When I rest in him. When I trust in him. When I see him showing himself strong. When I take my eyes off of the way I think life should be when I take my eyes off of the way I think everybody else should be, when I, the way I think the world should be, when I think uh, the way that my circumstances should be, when I take my eyes off of that and turn my eyes towards him through his word, my faith is strengthened, my hope is encouraged, my focus is narrowed down because we're to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who took upon him the form of a servant, that we might be redeemed. This will close two passages in Romans. Look over at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, as the Apostle Paul writes, Who shall separate us? from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, 
nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's exactly what we experience when we come and see. When we come and taste and see that the Lord is good. When we follow his lead and, and when it doesn't make sense, as that fellow down at the rescue mission said, well, how, what's tangible that I can know that I've been saved? Be a doer of his word. Because as we take our focus and our eyes off that tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, the sword, when our eyes are on the circumstances and no longer on Christ, we live defeated. We lose hope. We gain discouragement. We harbor ill will. And we lose sight of how good our God is. And Paul says that he is persuaded that none of those things shall be able to separate us from the love of God. It's not about God separating. It's too often that we take our focus and we stop coming and seeing. We stop coming and being encouraged. We stop, stomach, stop coming and being strengthened in his word. Then look over at Romans 11. You know, in, I quote Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 all the time, but I want you to see the end of Romans chapter 11. Verse 33 of Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Uh, because he's given us all we need to know. We don't need to try to find out anything extra. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. He's saying, what, have, what has anybody done for God that he's trying to repay? That he, that he owes a debt to? And he says, nobody. But in chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Have you seen for yourself? Have you come to God's word? Have you come to Jesus and seen his message for yourself? If you're here today and you're born again, there was a time when, when you saw the gospel message and, and you repented of your sin and, and, and you, you trusted Jesus as your Savior, but I don't assume in a crowd this size that everybody has done that. That maybe we've mingled his message with other messages and, and we're feeling pretty good about it because it's all religious in thinking. When he gave us all that we need to know that pertains unto holiness, righteousness, and godliness is found in his word. If you're waiting for a sign to know for sure, well, I can tell you right now, here it is. This is the sign you've been waiting for. This is the instruction that you've been looking for. It's not that there's not enough information. It's that we do not apply the information that's made available to us. 
We're looking for all those things that haven't been written. We're looking for the hidden things because there must be more. It can't just be that, that I repent of my sin and, and I call on the Lord Jesus to save me and I humble myself before Him and become a follower of Him. It can't be that simple. Well, that's what a gift is. You notice that when Dwayne came up here and gave us those cards, those gifts, uh, you know, neither one of us offered him anything. Oh, oh, you give, oh you're giving us cards. Oh, here, let me, those cost money. Let me give you a couple bucks for that. No, we, we're pastors. We gladly took them. But we, no, it, that's what a gift is. And Jesus stands willing, hopefully, saying, I've given you all. The information is here. The gift is yours. But then also, those of us that have accepted the gift must not be hoarders because he gave us abundantly. You know, it's much like, you know, as we have tracks and we've got our, our, our church ones and Ben and I have our personalized ones that we can uh, give out. Anytime anybody asks me for a business card, oh, here's my business. Well, that's a big one. Yeah, there's a lot of information on there you need to know. Let me share that with you. And so we do that and we'll, we'll, we'll give that out. But giving out the message for those to come and see. Because we ourselves have that privilege and that responsibility. Have you seen for yourself? And for those that have seen for ourselves and, and accepted and trusted in Him, have we taken our focus off? Have we stopped looking? Have we stopped watching? Have we stopped focusing? on the end goal, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's not wait for a YouTube video. Let's not wait for a package in the mail. Let's understand that these things are written that ye may know God's mind, God's plan, God's message. We have no hope. And the more I've thought about it, you know, is uh, whether my mom was living holy and righteously or not, I, I was overwhelmed to think that, based upon my mom's testimony, that um, she'd be in the presence of the Lord, and if she had the opportunity to come back and give her kids a message. I just know unequivocally what it would be. Follow the word, Todd. Follow the word because that's the message that Jesus gave us. And I hope and pray that as the Spirit works and speaks to us, that we'll not close the door, we'll not just be hearers only, but we'll purpose ourselves to be doers of the instructions He's given to us, not wondering and waiting about other instructions uh, that we're wondering uh, about one day. Let's all stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed.